we're going to close certain schools in the neighborhoods that are exploding. The schools in New York City don't work like that. And teachers and staff and students come from all the other neighborhoods. <laughs> so it's like... It's not, it's not, we're not in Rochester. No, and it's like, uh, it's half measures, dude. It's all half measures. Again, The Wire. Last night, while I was falling asleep, I read the first five pages of uh, All the Pieces Matter. All the Neighbors. It's amazing. I read the preface and the intro and I was like, oh shit. <laughs> I love that it's like one of those uh, amalgam interview type things where like you just talk to everybody. Yeah, and like just, oral history. Yeah, oral history. Exactly. Super cool. All right. Well, do you want to discuss anything before we get started or you want to just go ahead? No, nah, we can go ahead because I'm just really fucking annoyed. Oh, at something you're going to bring up? And, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just... Okay. All right. What are we doing, America? <laughs> well, with that, welcome to Know Your Roles. Back again for another week. Hope you guys are enjoying. Thank you for listening. Please rate, review, and subscribe. All right, George, what's on your bar? First, I want to shout out uh, Indestructible Manufacturing Company. It's out of Toronto. I found them on Instagram, and I bought this hat. Just came in the mail today. Thank you, guys. We'll, uh, we'll tag you in the post. It's a cool little logo, but they got a bunch of cool stuff. Sweatshirts, hoodies, t-shirts, hats, logos. Yeah, they're just a cool rad company that I found. They started in 2018, just a set of friends, and they do just sort of like punk rock pop ups. I think are super cool. So sick, yeah. So and I can indestructible. I can confirm that the hat is dope. Yeah, the design cool. is really cool. It's like like an all seeing eye. Yeah. yeah, it's super cool. And uh, my bar today is I want to shout out Bomani Jones who mentioned this earlier this week. I live in New York. They live in New York. Unfortunately, because we live in New York, the NFL game has to be either the Jets or Giants every week. And the Giants are 0-3, about to go 0-4, they're playing on the road against the Rams. The Jets, who played that dumpster fire football game, are 0-4 now. Adam Gase's this podcast is going to come out. He might get Friday into the weekend. I just think we just dumped the whole fucking thing. If your team is teams in New York going to be that bad, you don't get to you don't get to be played on TV because some of us can't afford to have NFL package and watch our teams or watch whatever best game of that weekend is. Just get rid of, or maybe we'll just choose one a week because there are a lot of people that live in New York and they will have like a loser leaves town match like they used to do in the WWE, WWE, NWA back in the day. But we can't have both of them on TV every week. They're really really bad. They're so bad that they're right now they would be vying for the number one draft pick in the NFL, which would be them probably drafting another quarterback after they have drafted a quarterback, both of them the past three years. Yeah, no, I'm it's, it's brutal. It's not fun for anyone to watch. Yeah. So there's <laughs> one o'clock. There's sort of the Thursday night game last night and the Giants game is the four o'clock game on Sunday. They keep adding these games like Thursday night and whatever. And they're always bad. Like there's always a bad product anyway. But when you have 0 and three versus 0 and three, and then one of them happens to be the Jets, I guess the only saving grace of last night was the fact I don't have to watch the Jets on Sunday. Yeah, <laughs> they're not going to be like taking over my television. Yeah, but no, was, this is awful. And more than just New York, it's like a total. I mean, George, you you follow an East Coast team, but it's a total East Coast bias, right? In that, I mean, everything is regional and whatever. But here in New York, we only get to see East Coast games. Well, you know, know, East Coast game, Giants and Jets. Nobody wants to watch that. No, the Giants are. And Daniel Jones is bad. I mean, he's not they, good. <laughs> he, they scored. I was looking at. I was looking at. Let's some notes. They scored. I think. See, nine twenty-two. I think they scored thirty-eight points this season. Patrick Mahomes has scored thirty-eight points with his arms tied behind his back. <laughs> just, just get them off the television. Yeah, like they should do. They do in soccer. It's like they, they should get relegated to like the, the secondary league, <laughs> or something. <laughs> then they come back. But my lord, that game last night was a hot mess. 
what is <laughs> I forget the uh, the announcer described the uh, it was the is one of the bad Twitter jokes. It was almost as bad as that <laughs> that debate. It was like a hot mess wrapped up in a dumpster fire, wrapped up in a train wreck. <laughs> yeah. it was like it was the debate didn't last as long. This that game also went on forever. <laughs> yeah, I luckily didn't watch that game. So no, so no, no more New York teams on TV at least for a while. Maybe they should get a win first. But yeah, <laughs> I'm completely out. I say this as I'm wearing a Mets T-shirt, but there's I just it was killing me last night. all the games are on tv you know what i mean it's like you should just be able to pick and choose it's we pay for this shit any it's you know there's, there's another team in new york that's undefeated just show that game yeah you don't need to watch the jets every week i don't really want to watch buffalo either though but but fair enough <laughs> I'd, rather watch that. I'd rather watch an undefeated team i agree uh well i josh allen's at least highly entertaining because he's somebody said he's like you know his his style of football is if you're playing with someone and they just mash all the buttons. <laughs> I forget who said it. And I, I wish I could remember. I forget. God damn it. I wish I would remember who said it. It was like, yeah, the style of football is if they mash all the buttons. Because they're going to win. Yeah. It's like you're, you're playing somebody. It's like, oh, you don't, there's no, you just mash all the buttons. Yeah. Button masher. That's the style of football. Oh, yeah. Anyway, Jets and Giants off my TV. You're, you're terrible. Yeah. Agreed. No good. What's in your bar? All right. Well, uh, I have such a hard time picking like one thing to focus on. So I'm just going to do some quick hitters of uh, things that we have seen recently. One very recently, uh, 45 and Melania have been diagnosed with COVID. They're yeah, they're experiencing mild symptoms. Uh, Yeah. So, however you want to feel about that, you're allowed to feel it. And uh, yeah, keep watching that. Another thing we've seen happening are the reopenings. We've talked about kind of a lot already on the show, but two things that have reopened this week have been bars and restaurants for indoor dining and schools. And the other thing that we have seen is we have seen the infections rise and they are continuing to rise. And it's it's not a coincidence. And all I want to say about that is there are organizations that are, you know, trying to fight it. And and I think the overall message is if you want to know about this and, and you don't know about it or, or you have a different opinion, I would say that we just have to listen to the people affected. And like, don't listen to me, listen to teachers about schools opening and what they're saying and listen to, you know, restaurant owners and, and all this stuff. And there's a couple of things, the Moore Caucus, which is a, a group of progressive teachers, within the, the teachers union that are really fighting for change, M-O-R-E, should follow them. Great source of information and a way to get active. Also the IRC for restaurants, they're working on the restaurant bill, which is that federal stimulus package that we've talked about. It's in part of the HEROES Act, but it needs more support. So, you know, if you're interested in that, please get involved in that. Other thing that we saw George briefly mentioned was the debate. Uh, I watched as much as I could handle them. They were a complete fucking shit show. All I really want to say is that if that didn't prove the need to completely reevaluate all of our systems and imagine a different world, then I don't know what is. And I would just say, if you spent the time watching that, remember to maybe learn about the local stuff that is going on from the people that are affected and these fights and struggles and try to get involved in that. But anyway, that's all that. I wanted to quickly mention most of my picks for the NBA and the MLB have lost. So I'm really glad that this is a year that I don't have money to bet. <laughs> so I have not bet any money. I've not lost any money. But Ooh, that's Minnesota. Ooh. 
Yeah, but that's why sports. Oh God, yeah, eight. They the Twins eighteen in a row playoff losses. That is hard to do. Unfortunately, my White Sox lost yesterday. That was hard, and I kind of think the Cubs are going to lose every lost one. But anyway, whatever. Uh, like I said, it's random. It's fun to make predictions and then be wrong. I'm not making any more picks this year. Whoever wins, wins. The other thing I wanted to say, I watched that the Charlie Kaufman movie. I don't did have you watched it yet, George? No, I mean I haven't. I haven't. It's on my list for some reason. Like it just gets a lot of things have jumped it in the past like few weeks. The new season of Fargo and baseball playoffs and the end of the NHL. It just sort of for some reason like everything else has jumped it in my in my viewing schedule. I understand I that eventually. And I actually watched it weeks ago, and that's why I it probably would have got lost for me, too, because there is so much stuff right now. I'm not going to talk too much about it. I just want to say it's probably worth watching. I think it's not his best. I think the performances are wonderful. Jesse Buckley, who we're both going to probably talk about in a second, has kind of been a revelation. She's really starting to burst on the scene, getting a lot of parts. Famous. Yeah. And everybody in it is awesome. And it's very interesting. It's worth watching. I don't think it's I don't think it's his best film. I think it's a little bit self-indulgent to be perfectly honest with you. But, you know, maybe worth maybe worth a watch, some interesting ideas, some great great performances. The very last thing I want to talk about is anthology shows because it's like an interesting thing that we're seeing now because two things I mentioned before. One is Lovecraft Country and the other is Fargo. Maybe not quite traditional anthology series, but They are certainly in that way of every episode or season is a new idea. And, you know, some of the great ones being Twilight Zone and Black Mirror, which is kind of a, you know, a takeoff Twilight Zone, essentially. I think what I'll say about Lovecraft Country is I think some of them have been better than others, certainly. But I've been kind of taking it tongue in cheek as like, you know, a creature feature, like Monster of the Week show. And I've been enjoying it. Are you enjoying it so far? Yeah, there's, I'm like a... Three episodes behind, but I, I have I have enjoyed it. The Smollett and uh, Jonathan Davis are really good. Everybody, yeah, it's. I think the cast is is really good. Yeah, like I said, I think some episodes are better than others. I was definitely hyped on the pilot. I think that's one of the better ones, and I think there's been some other really like stellar episodes. But there's been some others that I've kind of been like, mm, I don't know, you know. But it's all subjective anyway. And the last thing, Fargo. What did you uh, What did you think about the first two episodes? I thought the first episode was good. I liked the narration, and I like like a story being told. I thought the second one was awesome. The Italian brother is a really good character. And there's where have we seen that? I haven't seen that guy that, before. That dude, that dude's dope. He looks, he looks like he's about to throw down. Yeah. I think the music is top notch. Glenn Sherman is one of the better actors in the past like thirty years. He didn't get enough bread. No, Mayor he's Royce the, from The Wire. Mayor Royce. He's the army guy from a different world. He's in uh, Cooley High. No, he's he's phenomenal. And he, they, 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 I love that character's name, Doctor Senator. Doctor Senator is one he, of the great names. Uh, I'm, I'm, I can already see what's going to happen to him and. It kind of bumps me out. It's that that character's not gonna last very long. It's good. Did you catch the uh, the rabbi's name? So Ben Wish plays a character named Rabbi. Oh yes, I did. I got a shout out again to my uncle Jack because he was like, "Did you catch the one connection to the other seasons?" Uh, And I was like, "I'm not sure if I did." And he was like, "Yeah, it's the the last name of Ben Wishaw's character." Yeah, yeah, it's fucking Milligan. Oh my god. Uh, shout out again to that second season and to Bokeem Woodbine, who I don't know if I mentioned when talking about it. He gives, uh, yeah, yeah that, it's incredible. It, and this season, first of all, Ben Wishaw, I think Ben Wishaw 
man, he's so good. And he's so suited for that role. I mean, everybody, yeah, the first two episodes I thought were phenomenal. And I think this season is going to be awesome. And I'm hyped. Chris Oscarica asked, where are you from? Dublin, Italy? I about had a fucking stroke. Yeah, that was hysterical. (laughs) Yeah, oh my God. Chris Rock is killing it. He's good. Yeah, Lloyd is a a good character. Yeah, the fact that that, the character's name is Milligan. I also like the fact that Noah Hawley is unapologetically a fan of the Coen brothers. The way the two characters are escape from prison the one character pulling a leg there is so much throughout the whole series like i had said before i think the pitfalls of the beginning of it the first season it didn't separate itself enough from Fargo the movie and and it didn't become its own thing but you know episode three or four or whatever how we talked about where it became its own thing they have done such an awesome job of throwing in stuff like that that are clear references to Coen brothers that I don't know but I would assume that they only come out of just a pure love for the Coen brothers oh yeah no I mean the line we released ourselves on on our own recognizance is from Raising Arizona it's funny, like, the stuff that you enjoy when they use it, you're like, you know, I'm okay with that. I love High Fidelity. The TV yeah. Show. There's lines from the movie that are word for word in the, the TV show. And even I was quoted on those, like, yeah, number one with a bullet. It's cool when you're, it's as if we're also in on the joke. Yes. We're like, this is an exclusive club that we're all in members of. And just that wink and a nod to those people who are paying attention. It's like, that's for you. Kind of dig that. So Noah Holly, shout out to Noah Holly. He's making it fun. The first episode was good. I wanted to see a little bit more of the girl, the little girl, because I, I think her story is interesting. It is. Second episode, I was like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> the way that they use music, too, you had, oh, yeah. you know, alerted me to it and, and posted about it, about this yeah, band. Yeah, the Ross band. And, uh, yeah. yeah, that scene where, that scene when they show up at the Slaughterhouse is just dope. That's some Goodfellas type shit. Yeah, so he does that stylized stuff so well. And yeah, it's very reminiscent of a lot of stuff, but it doesn't feel like a bite, you know, because it's just like, it's texture and style and it, it fits with the rest of it it's it's so dope it's so good yeah can't say enough positive things about fargo i'm so excited for the rest of the season all right that's bar talk we're gonna move into our main segment who and the what and what and the who and who and the what and who and what and what and who yeah sure cool we're gonna be talking about announcing duos today sports announcers and we're gonna be comparing them to some of our favorite duos from pop culture. So not just sports announcers, just like duos from TV. So yes, personality, sports personality duos. The duo. So yeah, I'm excited about this one because I had to make some cuts. So <laughs> you know, that's a good thing. We like you didn't make it. You didn't make the team. Yeah. Well, I we'll I had the next season. I had that thing where I was. I don't know if I can think of so many. And then when they started flooding in, I was like, oh shit, I gotta pick. I gotta just pick. But uh, yeah, do you wanna do you wanna start off? You wanna say anything about announcing that you particularly like, or like announcing duos? The thing that I enjoy is I like when the announcing team seems like they have a relationship outside of this whole scene, and uh, when they're working together, it's just an, a continuation of their friendship or their relationship. Because you can always tell with like when two dudes are kind of thrown together, and they just they don't have that rapport, they don't have that sort of that thing. I mean, like it is a duo. So you got to have like, there's a yin and a yang. You got to have like, it's got to sound like it's a conversation, not your turn, my turn, which is a little annoying. So I'm going to start off with not my number one with the bullet, but one of my, two of my favorites. I'm going to start off with Mary Jo Fernandez and John McEnroe. Tennis, as much as I love hockey and as much as I love basketball and I love uh, baseball and the NFL and football, tennis is right up there as far as my favorite sport because I like the singular nature of it, that there is no coaching at least they're trying not to be. You have to figure out on your own. So if you're getting your ass whipped or if you're trying to figure out what to do, you have to take a breath and see what it is to do, to change in your game rather than go to somebody like in boxing. You have to go, you're just like, hey, this is what you're doing wrong. 
this is what you're doing wrong. And, and you got to figure it out. Tennis is just you're by yourself. You're alone. And I love the fact that Mary Jo and John McEnroe, because they were tennis greats, are able to let the viewer know, it was like, this is what they should be doing. I mean, Mary Jo, who's played in either a final or a semifinal of every major, so she knows what she's talking about. And then John McEnroe, who's won five U.S. Opens or Wimbledons. Both of them have won titles as doubles teams. Just the way they talk, and Chris Fowler is a part of that crew too, but I'm going to mention him a little bit later. But the two of them, the fact that they were at the top of their game, able to explain to somebody who doesn't know a lot about tennis, like what should be happening, what they should be doing. It's a joy to watch. So, so shout out to Mary Jo Fernandez and John McEnroe, who to me are the top of the game as far as the way they talk. I love the fact that they also do men's and women's as compared to the Mary Jo just doing women's and John McEnroe just doing men's. They call the top matches of both the men's and women's teams. So, and they're a joy to listen to. Because the game is the game, right? The game is the game. I tune in whenever they're announcing. They're two of my favorites. And for me, the comp that I have for them, this is a weird little comp. Is uh, My comp is Bonnie and Clyde, but not the actual people. I'm talking about Faye Dunaway and Warren Beatty. <laughs> to me, they, they're two of the greatest of all time. Faye Dunaway has the ego of the EGOT. It's like, it's, it's like you always know about the EGOT, the EGOT winners, and there's only like a handful of those people. But she's got an Emmy, she's got a Grammy, and she's got an Oscar. Faye Dunaway, one of the greatest actresses of all time. Shout Somebody give Faye Dunaway a Tony right yes. away. She's like, but you know, I don't even need that shit because he is <laughs> like, I've won titles. You don't have to win a title in every category, but she's won titles. And then Warren Beatty is Warren Beatty is, of course, one of the greatest actors of, of his generation. And uh, that movie and those characters and those actors changed the game and how cinema was even viewed and showing sex and violence. And so to me, Mary Jo Fernandez, John McEnroe are Bonnie and Clyde, the Warren Beatty and Faye Dunaway of announcers. Number one with Bullet right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i like that that's funny to imagine them as bonnie and clyde i hope they don't have a, a similar fate but <laughs> but they are a great team i mean and McEnroe obviously is always entertaining and mary joe is good at bouncing off him and, and kind of yeah i feel like when he's about to jump off or rain it back in it's like it's they, they've got a good thing going on i, I thoroughly enjoyed it all right that brings me up to my first one i was kind of looking at it certain ways at, you know there's differences between announcing as far as you have have your your national teams who do you know your major sports and your major broadcasts and then you have the local analysts that stay with one team and they work with them for however long so i kind of tried to mix it up and obviously as a chicago person and a chicago fan you know those are the announcers that i have the most experience with because i listen to them you know many of my life but i tried to switch it up and uh, mix it up a bit and the first announcing duo i'm going to talk about is one of those national teams and the only one I want to talk about that I don't like. <laughs> George and I've talked about this before, but a lot of announcing is not good. It's really painful to listen to for a number of reasons. Yeah, I think and, it's like called awful announcing. Yeah, this team has many of those boxes checked of why announcing is bad, and that's Joe Buck and Tim McCarver. <laughs> and if you think I'm being harsh, I literally have never met a single person who likes Joe Buck. And also, if you do like a five-second Google search, you can find numerous articles and videos titled things like, Why Joe Buck is the Worst, Here's Why Fans Hate Broadcaster Joe Buck, 
Joe Buck worst calls <laughs> and all this thing, because he has that thing that's like ingrained to some of these broadcasters who are career broadcasters and they never played the games in which they talk about, which honestly, I don't think is a total requirement. And I'm going to mention some announcers later that are very good that never played. But he clearly never played. And he has this trained announcer-like speak and mode. And it comes across very smug, very arrogant. He says flowery stuff that doesn't actually have any substance. And he also, his father, Jack Buck, is a very famous St. Louis Cardinals announcer. Jack Buck, great announcer, very good. Joe Buck, many people believe has a job because his father and that's called nepotism and in joe buck's case it's white privilege he called the world series when he was 27 years old with very little experience before that and he says he's like i'm my dad's kid and i'm still right or wrong fighting that uphill battle i'm not saying that makes sense i mean my dad didn't hire me at fox but it certainly gave me my start and i think i'm always kind of fighting that on one respect, yeah, it sucks that you have to be followed by your father and question or whatever. But like you said, you just said, it certainly gave me my start. That's the point. That's the point. That's like a certain person saying, I only had a small $1 million loan from my father, which we know that's a lie too. You know, so, <laughs> so yeah, Joe Buck, not the, uh, and his also Joe Buck's autobiography is titled Lucky Bastard. <laughs> It's like, you're not doing yourself any favors. And like I said, his dad was great. Also, he's so hated that he also works with Troy Aikman doing the NFL games. There is a petition from Green Bay Packers fans to ban Joe Buck and Troy Aikman from doing Packers games. And like over 40,000 people have signed it. (laughs) But that brings me to his old partner who has since retired, but Tim McCarver, who did baseball with him. Tim McCarver was a catcher for many years. He played and... Tim McCarver might be the worst announcer ever that played the game. I mean, it doesn't make sense on how terrible he is, given that he had a long playing career and he was a decent player. And what I'm saying is he literally got everything wrong. Again, with a with a very quick Google search, you can find so many videos of Tim McCarver doing things like, I watched one where he was like, well, in this situation, Adrian Beltre is playing the line at third, but the odds are the hitter definitely won't pull the ball, right-handed hitter. So he's just guarding the line, but it's not going to go down there. You know, you're definitely not going to pull the ball. Well, first of all, that's wrong because he's playing the line because he's read the scouting report. And the odds are that in this situation, this guy will hit it down the line. He's like, no way. And the next pitch was a straight pull home run out of the ballpark. It was like, he gets stuff wrong so many times. And yeah, it's really funny and ridiculous. He's also a bad tipper, guys. Oh, well, that is great to know too, because that leads me to my comp for them. Other thing, I guess, people we don't like, which is why Joe Buck and Tim McCarver are Jeff Dunham and his dummies. (laughs) or his dummy jeff dunham pretty famous ventriloquist maybe the most famous ventriloquist we've ever had he's one of the highest paid comedians of all time just so everybody knows i just want to quickly george is a stand-up comedian i want to just ask george really quick uh as a stand-up what what do you think of ventriloquism just in general like you're quick like as a as a comedian Yay, nay, can it be good? I've, I have seen it pretty good. Okay. Yeah, I saw a live one, so I was like, all right, I, I kind of get it. 
<laughs> but generally something that comedians kind of shit on, right? Yeah, you gotta you gotta be pretty darn good. I forget her name. This this she she's since moved away from New York, but uh she was she was dope. You do, and and it, you can you can be good. You can be good, yeah. and it but it's a gimmick. It's a gimmick at the end of the day, and you still have if you're gonna be good doing a gimmick, you still have to be funny in what you're saying. It's like impressions and stuff. Like Frank Caliendo, he does phenomenal impressions. He's not funny. He's not funny, and the things that he says when he does the impressions are not funny. So like similar, Jeff Dunham not funny not funny at all and if you want to know why i say that he has different characters that he makes the dummies and some of them some of the the highlights are he has a character called ahmed the terrorist he premiered after 9 11 and he has a character named jose the mexican immigrant these are ventriloquist dummies so yeah okay again he's like the highest fucking paid comedian and joe buck and tim mccarver were on the air forever and joe buck is still on the air yeah so joe buck and tim mccarver are jeff dunham and his dummy <laughs> yeah <laughs> joe buck did say something funny last night what did he say uh, there was a touchdown pass that was like 40-something yards, in which uh, Jerry Judy pretty much just snatched it from the defensive back. Troy Eggman is like, he goes, oh, that guy just got mossed, which is a segment on ESPN on the NFL package. And uh, Joe Buck is like, way to reach across the aisle, Troy. Which I thought was kind of funny. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure he has his moments, but he's so he's trying to be funny yeah. so much. Way to reach across the aisle. <laughs> yeah that's the funniest thing he's ever said it wasn't that funny i, mean, it was like, <laughs> I, I was entertained by the fact that it was, oh, yeah, like, that's, yeah the, the moss segment that's on uh, espn <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's uh george george gordon's uh standards for comedy yeah, yeah exactly but yeah so moving right along all right so um I'm not going to go in any kind of order, but I, I, I do like these guys. I spent majority of my life in the South, and in the South, we love college football, and uh, two of my picks from the college football. So, of course, I'm going to pick the two guys who call the 3 o'clock SEC game of the week, which is Brad Nessler and Gary Danielson. To me, like, the SEC is basically the top of the food chain when it comes to college football. So these two guys are top of the food chain when it comes to calling college football. I thoroughly enjoy it, the way they do it. Brad Nusser has some big shoes to fill when he replaced my man, Fern Lundquist, who I'm going to be talking about a little bit later. And they just kept it going. So like, it doesn't really matter who's playing that 3 o'clock game on Saturday in the SEC because the two of them are calling it. They're, I'm always going to watch it. So, And because of that reason, my comp for them is Mike Lowry and Marcus Burnett. Now, if you don't know who that is, they are Will Smith and Martin Lawrence from the Bad Boys trilogy. <laughs> now, some of those movies are good. Some of those movies are bad. But the two of them together are just so great. And it doesn't matter what scene it is in which if any of the three movies are on TV, I'm going to give it a sniff because I do <laughs> like those movies. And I do love Mike Lowry and Marcus Burnett. Just a solid duo. Of course, they're not the greatest pop duo of all time, but they're right there. So, And the Bad Boys movies are fun. Brad Nessler and Gary Danielson are fun. I enjoy their games. So three o'clock on Saturday, I know I'm going to be. And again, Bad Boys was actually on TV the other night. I was flipping the channels. I was like, yeah, I could probably watch this for a little bit. And it was like one of the stupidest scenes in the movie. Uh, so Gary Danielson, Brad Nutzer, or Mike Lowry, Mike Lowry, and Marcus Burnett from the Bad Boys trilogy. Boom. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I had to think about, I'm glad you said from Bad Boys, because I was like, wait, who? 
And yeah, I, I agree with that. They're, they're definitely the two of those guys have great chemistry. They do. It, it, those movies are wildly entertaining. They're they are. They are. They're they're very stupid and yeah, they're not. They're kind of bad, <laughs> but they are super fun. And yeah, the, those two guys together are are a riot. And yeah, Nestler, I've always liked. Nestler's fucking good. You know, we didn't say, but typically speaking, there is a play by play person who is responsible for the calls and you know setup and and stuff like that. And then there is, they call him a color commentator, but another commentator that's a lot of times an ex-player and somebody to give really good background information and anecdotes and whatnot. That's like Tim McCarver and Joe Buck. They're bad. Joe Buck is bad because he like doesn't do a good job of keeping you filled in on what is happening in the game. He's like telling stupid bullshit jokes or anecdotes instead of saying what is happening in the game. I'm glad I did kind of my my least favorite announcers first because my second one, I'm going to do some of my favorite announcers, maybe my favorite announcers. And, you know, I said that there's national versus local. And these are some of my Chicago local guys. I'm going to talk about the Bulls announcers. And I'm going to focus on Neil Funk and, and Stacey King, who... Neil just retired actually last year was his last season, but him and Stacy have been doing the games together for at least 10 years. Neil Funk has been with the team for 28 years. He was doing radio and then he moved to TV. He took over for the previous team who just briefly to mention because they are so great was led by Johnny Red Kerr, who was an amazing player and coach in the league and then became a long-term broadcaster. People around the city loved him. They still, he's passed many years ago, but people still have great memories of, of Johnny Redker. And he had great relationships with people. He had a great relationship with MJ. And if you don't know, but if you've ever seen LeBron do this big dramatic thing with the chalk before the games where he blows it up in a puff of smoke, well, that came from Jordan and Johnny Redker. Because Jordan used to do that with the chalk, not blow it up in the air to make a big thing. He used to dust it in Johnny Redker's face right before <laughs> the game as like fucking with him. He did it in every game. He would clap his hands with chalk right in front of Redker's face. And it was always fun. They were great. But like I said, I want to talk about Neil and Stacy. And Neil, like I said, he did the radio when I was a kid. And because we we're a family that didn't have cable... <laughs> Whenever a Bulls game was on cable or we were like in the car or something, we'd be listening to Neil Funk. And Neil Funk has got to be one of the best play-by-play guys. He is so informative. He keeps you, he has one of those, like I said, Joe Buck kind of has that real broadcasty, smug, professional voice. And Neil Funk has a, has definitely a broadcast trained voice. But it's not over the top. It doesn't sound false. It doesn't sound that different from what his normal conversational voice is. And he used to do the radio. And one of my favorite calls of his would be when somebody hit a three, he'd be like, Scotty, for three, kaboom, <laughs> kaboom. That, that was his call. Loved it. He went to the TV booth and his partner became Stacy King, who, great story. Stacy King was a world-class college basketball player played for Oklahoma or he was, he was an all pro. He was was all all Americans. That's what I'm looking for. He was a great college player, great college player. He came to the pros with the MJ bulls was a bench player. He showed some promise. He had a couple of good games, but he 
never really sustained success. He's also known because he complained about playing time as a rookie on a championship team, <laughs> which is like ridiculous. The guys playing ahead of you are like Scottie Pippen and Horace Grant, and they've already won a championship. So it's okay to be upset that you're not playing, but you can't complain about playing time. That's not really going to work work out in your favor. But as an announcer, he is phenomenal. And he is so good. Part of the reason because something that gets overlooked is how well he knows the game. His ability to break down the game and explain it in real time is as good as I've ever seen anyone. And he doesn't get as much credit for it because what he does get credit for is his personality because he's so hysterical. He's one of the funniest guys. And I suppose maybe some people don't like it, but honestly, everybody in Chicago does. He has really wild, hilarious calls. Some of my favorites. First of all, there's a Stacey King soundboard on bulls.com that I had sent George the other day that I highly recommend wasting a few minutes on. It's very fun. But some of his great calls, like when somebody gets dunked on or there's a big block, he'll be like, if you're scared, go buy a dog and just great. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so many things, so many, so many great, great calls. He's basically a stand-up comedian with a ridiculously high basketball IQ. So it's like, he doesn't get credit for that, but he's so good at it. And he's so entertaining. And also something I didn't mention about Joe Buck, but something that people don't like about sportscasters is it's okay to be the, the local guys. It's okay to be a fan of the team that you call. It's totally okay. But you don't want to be someone so delusional that they don't call it how it is. And I just mentioned Joe Buck because he's supposed to be totally objective because he's a national guy. He doesn't follow a specific team. And he says that he has no biases, but he has total biases. And a lot of them are having to do with St. Louis, where his dad called the team for 20 fucking years. It's not, I mean, I mean he's a Cardinals fan. Everybody knows that. Yeah, of course. The thing about Stacy and Neil too is that he tells it like it is. When the team is bad, he tells it like it is and he and he'll break it, he'll break down the play and he'll criticize the coaching, he'll do whatever without being unnecessarily mean and still being really informative. And I think people always I personally always love and respect him for that. Again, he is hysterical. And you know, there's a couple other guys that do radio now as well. Bill Wennington, former player, Chuck Swirsky, longtime broadcaster. I just mentioned them because they're also really, really good. If you've ever seen any Bulls stuff on the championship years of the past 20 years, the guy you're going to hear talk probably the most other than maybe Steve Kerr is Bill Winnington because he he said yes to like every single thing in the past 20 years but he's also really good and he's a nice likable guy and he makes good points I mentioned them because of the comp and the comp is that Neil and Stacy are the Waynes brothers the Waynes brothers and if you expand <laughs> well specifically Sean and Marlon Sean and Marlon. But if you expand the world and you want to add Red Kerr and Wennington and Swirsky and even guys like Wayne Larrabee who did play-by-play -play opposite Johnny Kerr, then you can add in like Keenan Ivory Waynes and Kim Waynes and Damon Waynes. Like Junior. Damon Jr. Damon Jr. Um, they're Sean and Marlon because... They were like part of the team and part of a crew, but then they became their own thing. They formed like their own duo. That's actually pretty good. <laughs> and Marlon is known for more wildly flamboyant characters where Sean plays the more lead role. You know, they typically call that straight man, which honestly, I don't really love that term, but comedic foil, because you don't need to be straight or a man to be that character. <laughs> but you you understand what I'm saying. And yeah, so, so Sean, he leads it like Neil Funk does, but he's also funny. He's also very funny. And 
Neil Funk is also very funny. Him and Stacy, like they used to razz on each other, friendly, but they have a very friendly relationship, and their relationship together is is so good. And uh, yeah, Sean and Marlon, and then you know Damon and Keenan and Kim and. You know, those are Swirsky and Wennington and Red Kurt. So, yeah, Wayne's Brothers, Bulls announcers. <laughs> That's good stuff. You know, uh, I'll tell you a little fact about Marlon. Marlon was actually going to be uh, Robin in the Tim Burton Batman. Yeah, that was that was, that was the uh, what he was going for. For uh, That's interesting. And that brings that actually a point I didn't mention, which is why he is Stacey King in that, like I said, Stacey King really does know what he's talking about. Marlon Wayne's, we've seen him be a pretty good actor in things i mean requiem for a dream i think very good yeah he's capable god damn jim all right it was a very odd scene and <laughs> requiem for a dream that he is that line god damn jim yeah that's uh not rewatch yeah i know right i've actually seen it a couple times so have i but i i've actually seen it more than most people have i vowed i think the last time i watched it which might have been seven or eight years ago i was like i don't ever need to yeah, see yeah. this movie that music it's like nah that's what i would use to get girls back to my place like, hey you want to come back to my place and watch a little yeah no. we're dream. yeah uh, i'm kidding if that ever it didn't work i'm sure yeah, like, like, i, hope, I hope it didn't like, work no, i was just kidding um <laughs> so i mentioned brad Nessler and gary danielson as my last group and i also mentioned that brad Nessler replaced burn lundquist so i will be remiss if i didn't talk about burn lundquist who was probably one of my favorites if not my favorite announcer he's retired from college football he did that a few years ago but he'll call an occasional college football game with uh with gary danielson and brad nuts was like you're the goat how about it so he'll do like one or two like the whatever the big game is maybe he'll do like an alabama auburn but bernard was is great at everything his college football with Billy raftery Billy raftery is amazing lingerie on the deck is one of my favorite things anybody's ever said in sports when everybody gets like it's shook it's like ooh, lingerie on the deck or like if there's like a layoff <laughs> off the glasses, like the kiss. Billy Raftery is great. And he didn't make my list as one of the guys I had to cut. But the guy I did keep on, and I'm talking about the CBS golf telecast, and that's my guy, Vern Lundquist and Jim Nance. To me, like just being drunk or being hungover on a Sunday, just to listen to the two of them call, I just love whispering. It's like in the approach on the 17th hole. I think he's using a four iron, Jim. It's just the two of them, it's just it's silky smooth. So I had to think of like a comper silky smooth white duo and for Vern Lundquist my guy Vern Lundquist and I love Vern Lundquist and Jim Nance together they are the Hall and Oates of the fucking announce game blue-eyed soil <laughs> just 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 sweet music to my ears she's gone Sarah smile I can't go for that that's who Vern Lundquist and Jim Nance just just smooth just dope with it every Sunday when they call golf so <laughs> Not that my guy Vern Lundquist. I had to put him on my top five. He's he's the man. So Vern Lundquist and Jim Nance, Hall and Oates. They're Hall and John Oates. I like that a lot because also I say for both of those duos, they have broad appeal. <laughs> you know what I mean? And like at first glance, you might be like, wait, Hall and Oates. But yeah, I think in my teens, I was kind of like, Hall and Oates, this shit sucks. And then I got older and I was like, yo, this is, this is. You can't, <laughs> you can't go like someplace and be like, and somebody puts that on and you're at somewhere and it's like, nobody's gonna be like, oh man, <laughs> but you weren't old enough yet. It was like, going to a bar now, it's like, oh shit. My, I love that song. My go to internet radio station for like late happy hour into like early, you know, dinner going out hour when I'm bartending is the Hall of Notes station because it makes. It, there's hardly another station that makes more people happy. 
everybody because like every song people it's songs that people know people can sing along people kind of like get it they start to feel it and it's funny because it is some smooth but still kind of corny white dudes (laughs) soil soil soul no it's just like uh in fact i find that that turn to be stupid but uh no it's just just soul music it is and it's really entertaining and i just love it so i feel the same way about brad about um run long close to janette song when they call golf like the Masters is next month, and I just—it's like there's a whole Wikipedia page of just some of the best calls that the two of them have had, the two have been on, and that's just—it just shows you how dope they are. And Vern Lundquist is like going to live forever, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, they're two of the better, you know, broadcaster. Hundred percent with the schooling, you know, because they they do have some humor and, and some good calls, but they really call the yeah. the event. You super well. They do. They make it. They make it seem big. Also, it's very obvious that not only do they enjoy what they do, they enjoy just being there for the moment. Totally, and that's the difference too. It's like you know when Joe Buck calls a home run. I mean, I'm sorry to keep harping on Joe Buck, but he is the best example of the worst stuff about broadcasting. <laughs> you watch him call a home run, and he's like, "And that's gone." You know what I mean? It's like who gives it? Like you're an asshole. Like you know, but even guys who are super professional, like Nance, like they'll give some energy to it and some excitement because this shit is exciting. And also, especially when you're talking about baseball and golf, so much of it is boring. (laughs) And so, like the exciting moments, you really got to make them exciting, and the boring moments, you got to make you know fill them with substance and and make people still watch. No, I mean, 17 hole last year in the Masters, Vern Luck was the ball, the Nike ball, sitting on the lip, and Vern Luck was like, did he? He did. <laughs> yeah. Incredible. The man, he's the man. He's the man. They do a good job at blending the funny and entertaining with the informative and knowledgeable. And that brings me to my next one, which these are two guys. Some people might not love them, but they were such a background to my childhood sports fandom. And that's John Madden and Pat Summerall. John Madden and Pat Summerall. Everybody knows John Madden. I mean, he's got a fucking game franchise named after him also you know it transferred over to the game i always loved playing the game because you'd hear his like ridiculous quips and one-liners like he just would make funny sounds like when somebody gets hit he's like whack boom (laughs) and and like funny old colloquialisms like uh you know if a guy got hit and his helmet was turned sideways he'd be like He's going to be looking out of his ear hole, <laughs> uh, which I always liked. Although he had a lot of these old schoolisms that honestly might not hold up today if you went back and looked at them, as far as like strong, silent type, tough guy bullshit. But he did generally, he was generally lighthearted, and I don't think he took himself too seriously. And he was a very successful coach, one of the great coaches. And players liked him he he was what he was well liked by everybody normally and he like traveled around in a fucking bus so that tells you something about it like a you're talking about a really wealthy person you know he made a shit shit ton of money very successful and he travels around in a bus for fun like following nfl training camps and shit like that's that's cool and pat summerall was his foil who was a guy who he was one of those rare guys who was like a play-by-play broadcaster guy but he also played he played the game he was like a kicker for many years he was a punter for the giants i think yeah i remember playing the video game madden and playing like the all-time madden team and having the punter be pat summerall and being like <laughs> oh shit <laughs> but he was he was the diplomatic one and madden was the one who 
didn't give a fuck and would like say whatever. And I watched a funny clip of them. They were doing a game in the eighties and Burt Reynolds is in the crowd. And apparently Burt Reynolds played defensive end in college. Pat Summerall coached him. And Madden was like, was he any good? And Pat Summerall was trying to be really diplomatic and was like, uh, you know, he had a, uh, he had a nice personality <laughs> and, uh, and, and uh, uh, Madden, you know, talking about those old schoolisms that probably don't hold up. He's like, well, you know, if you're a defensive end and you're a nice guy, it means you're probably not pretty good, which that's not true. That's you. I would say George's making a face, but I would say Khalil Mack seems like a very nice guy. Um, but, uh, but yes, he has a point. He's supposed but, to be very nice, actually. Summerall was like, uh, well, yeah, but you know, he has, he's, he's a nice guy and a great actor. And, and Madden then just flippantly is like, ah, those guys aren't any good. <laughs> and they just moved on. So that was funny. I thought that was funny. And that is why John Madden and Pat Summerall are tenacious D. Tenacious D, that musical comedy duo of Jack Black and Kyle Gass, of course, KG and Jables. <laughs> again they balance each other really well jack black is like the wild don't give a fuck flamboyant one maybe some of his lyrics don't quite hold up as far as like maybe being a little bit lewd or crude or you know something that was like oh I, yeah, that i found funny before and might not find funny now but i still find him very entertaining and charismatic i think like madden it's like a specific pocket of personality and you know, some people really, I just find all of his physical comedy so funny. But Kyle Gass is like one of the great deadpan foils. He he like does his own thing. He's so funny. I also think that their movie, Tenacious D and the Pick of Destiny, is hysterical and so underrated. I remember, shout out to my buddy, Carrie Ward. Um, me and Carrie saw, got like super baked when that movie came out, like right in the park before the movie, I think like, yeah, totally. And that's what I mean when I say like, it's a specific pocket, you know, it's stoner comedy. We smoked like right before the movie started and we went in, it was like somewhere in the city at at, like noon on a Tuesday and nobody was there. And that movie is hysterical and it's good. Shout out to Paul F. Tompkins who plays the devil in that movie amazing but anyway a couple other guys that their scheme is wild and their songs are are very funny and flamboyant and out there but musically they're super talented they're super good the music is good it's i think it's awesome and you know they've had a career doing it they have real albums and they're they play shows and you know when shows were something that happened not on zoom yeah so kyle gas and jack black also known as tenacious d John Madden, Pat Summerall. <laughs> well, since you went the nostalgic route, and uh, we, I mentioned earlier that we extended the group from not just announcers to just duos on personalities. And uh, even though I claim the South and claim being from Virginia, I'm from a D.C. suburb. So I got to talk about Michael Wilbon and Tony Kornheiser from Pardon the Interruption. They actually, that show's actually been on for almost 20 years, 2001. Crazy. Which is crazy. And it, it started off as they wanted to, sh- to make a show that had like sort of political leanings to it. So they figured they would get two guys who uh, happened to be writers at the time for the Washington Post. As a kid growing up in Virginia, I read articles from Tony Kornheiser and Michael Wilbon because they were writers for the Post. 
and they've been friends for almost 40 years. It's like Wilbon started off as Kornheiser's like mentor. I'm sorry, reverse that. Kornheiser was Wilbon's mentor. So uh, they worked together in the post and to this day, they still live in the DC, but that's uh, the area. It's funny, like they said some things about DC sports being kind of a B sports town. And in a way, I kind of agree with that because it's so transient. And there's a lot of folks who happen to live in DC who just not from there. I mean, I've been watching like full teams in DC in which like they were overwhelmed by the, the opposing team. So, and, I, and that just sort of happens when you're a team in which like there's so many people who, who just happen to live there who aren't from there. A lot of random teams in the area too. Yeah, right? yeah. A lot of so, choices you have on who you want to follow. And... So I was thinking about how often they've been like duplicated from, from uh, around the horn to first take and, uh, to like the Fox's show with Skip Bayless and uh, Shannon Sharp. The thing that, yeah, they stink. The thing that they, you can't duplicate is the friendship. And even though they argue from the time to time, it's like they still have respect for each other because they are colleagues and not just thrown together the TV show. So as much as I love Stephen A. Smith, as much as I'm not that crazy about Matt Kellerman, I don't believe their relationship because, because it's just, it seems false. And the reason why I enjoy Will Bond and Kornheiser is because these guys have been friends for 40 years and they do agree and disagree. And, and argue at the end of the day it's, it's just two guys who are just talking it's basically like being in a barbershop or having like two high school buddies who remain friends over the course of their relationship they so, probably uh, eat I, dinner at each other's houses they do they do they like make they're, they're, they're like legit friends yeah yeah so uh, and i mentioned high school buddies for a reason so i'm gonna pick a, a a rap duo who started off as friends in high school who are probably the greatest rap duo of all time and seeing that will bond and Kornheiser are the greatest two-person, like, whatever team that we're talking about, to me, they are Andre and Big Boy of Outcasts. So they did the greatest duo of all time and probably the greatest rock group to ever do it. Um, uh, it it's, it's when, I, when I talk about Outcast records and, like, uh, how they went from, like, this one thing to, to another, but always remained dope and kind of ahead of it. So, and uh, Will Bond and Kornheiser are all the same thing, always remained dope and kind of ahead of it. And as much as it gets duplicated, nobody will ever be there. Will Bond and uh, Kornheiser are the outcasts of the TV personalities and duos that we're talking about. Boom. I love that so much. Those four people are four of my favorite people in the history of the world. <laughs> um, I also love Kornheiser and, and Will Bond. Will Bond, I mean, I followed them since PTI, which is crazy that it's 20 years now. But Will Bond is from Chicago and he, he writes a lot of Chicago leaning stuff and, and We've always, I've always kind of loved him because he's another one of these guys who he's definitely a homer. He's definitely a fan of Chicago teams, but he tells it like it is. He's honest. He, he, he doesn't bullshit. And yeah, he's great. And I joked with you, George, that they're like a weird reverse bizarro world version of us. Cause he's like a black dude from Chicago and Kornheiser's like a Jewish dude from originally from Brooklyn and like the DC area. And, you know that's like the opposite of us um anyway yeah and outcast you know i mean i i'm sure i'll talk about i i think i already have but i'll continue to talk about outcast in the future because they are you know they also i saw them in con i've seen them in concert multiple times when i was like 15 and it's like the best show ever i think yeah. the thing that gets lost on their relationship is you can tell that they're like good enough friends because when they have discussions about race and politics it doesn't seem it's not cringy it's just like, it's just two people having a conversation about these things. Because those are things that they've talked about probably thousands of times being in D.C. and writing for a, a, a publication and working for Brent Bradley, who was 
probably one of the biggest news editors of all time. So Chaz yeah. Benbrelli used to wear the tie. Is it Benbrelli? It's like, yeah, the tie un- unbuttoned. That's the great thing. <laughs> yeah. The tie undone, undone, the undone tie. They both will go on a run and they'll both be really expressive and, and have, you know, a rant for a second, but they, they listen to each other. They you know, do, yeah. Because that's really those other shows are not good. Yes. Like I try to, I, I had texted, but I got a pretty worse for ESPN. He's dude, those shit. Shout out to my buddy. I'm not going to say his name. He's like, those shit suck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, they do. Well, and Kornheiser and Wilbon, like, yeah, everybody's just been trying to duplicate that. You know, they have been. And, I mean, like, even and like, they put them in a shitty box. So not good. No, because it's to put it in a shitty box of like, you know, I just don't, you know, yeah. It's some of the worst parts of sports TV that sort of, argumentative show i just it's, and like it's, let's put a black guy and a white guy together yeah, and like, like see like that that i i i like kellerman when he calls boxing because he knows his fucking boxing he does know his the boxing. tv show that they have is fucking not good it's funny because stephen a smith is one of those guys who i always hated so much because he just didn't seem i don't know i just i didn't like him he's very bombastic but now the things i think he's gotten a lot better and maybe you know my opinion has just changed but i think that he's, he's like highest paid uh, employee on, on espn and yeah. i think he deserves it honestly i like Stephen a i actually like him better when he's a little bit more like i like him on, a, on his uh on his instagram feed i like him when he has interviews i kind of like him when he's a little bit more chill yeah he just he's like he's just fucking saying words he's like all right yeah i need, I need a breath <laughs> totally and <laughs> i mean this. yes and when he which is if you're going to be saying things of substance, that's one thing, but which now, which now he is, you know, but before like he was just going after players and like certain shit. And it's like, come on, dude, you get paid to do this shit. And, and like saying stuff that wasn't true, that didn't turn out to, you know, having like these, you know, so many of these guys with their inside sources, I think a lot of it is bullshit. A side note, if you want to watch something funny, there's a Stephen A clip with Teddy Bruschi. They're talking about football and like the keys of the game. Stephen Ames was like, did he get the ball out the blah, 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 well, blah, 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 I hadn't played in like two months. <laughs> like making a face like, what the fuck is this dude talking about? <laughs> and he's getting like a split screen and Ted Bruce was like, what? Anyway, it's, it's a funny clip to watch because Stephen A is doing the Stephen A thing. He's like, they need to go blah, 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 they need to get to my guy, blah, 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 blah. It's Ted Bruce is like, you sure that? that guy, that guy died last week. You sure they need to get that? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that would have been real rough to come back from that. Yeah, right. Like, you know that guy died at the beginning of the year. Oh man, George, you got that one. <laughs> yeah, ladies and gentlemen, George yeah. Gordon. Hey, you gotta get the comedy out somehow. All right, so my next one is another one of the ones that's personal for me, Chicago ones. So people I've been listening to essentially my entire life, and that's going to be Chicago baseball. But I'm going to talk about it definitely a duo but it's two different duos with one of the guys being the same in both duos so i'm gonna i'm gonna explain that a bit but the one guy is steve stone steve stone has worked chicago baseball for like 35 years essentially he's he did many many years with the cubs and he's done the last 10 years or so with the white Sox, and he's still going steve stone was a player he wasn't a great, great player, but he was a decent player. And he had one great season. He was a pitcher. When he pitched for the Baltimore Orioles, he was on the team that every starter won 20 games in a season, which is which will never be done again. That's one of the most incredible feats ever. And he won the Cy Young that year because he went 25 and seven. And that always seemed nasty. 
Yeah. And Steve, I, I just want to say a little bit more about Steve Stone because he's really interesting because he's breaks the mold a little bit from a lot of these guys. Again, he was a player, so he's not like a traditional journalist, but he was also a little bit different as a player. He broke a lot of stereotypes. He was someone who's kind of like wry and sarcastic. He spent four years of college. That doesn't necessarily mean that you're intelligent or anything, but he went to Kent State. Steve Stone was intelligent and people knew it. And like, you know, he gets criticized because he knows it too. Um, you know, which is what we talked about before about, you know, sometimes you're smug, but, and Steve Stone has certainly be, been accused of that. But generally he's pretty good because he's funny, he's honest, he's sarcastic. And like I said, he broke the mold a little bit as a player because one, he's a Jewish man from Ohio, um, and there's not a ton of uh, Jewish people in the league as a person with Jewish heritage. Um, I know that because we like all of them. <laughs> We're predisposed to like all of them. And I just want to read a really quick quote from Steve Stone as a player, where this is talking about breaking the, the stereotype of ballplayers that he, when he was playing in the 70s which is he's talking about the manager of the Giants, his team in, in 1971, Charlie Fox. Charlie Fox felt the only way a ball player could perform was to chew tobacco, wear a sloppy uniform, and as he put it, not be afraid to get a bloody nose and eat, drink, and sleep baseball. So, you know, again, that's like one of those old school isms, like bullshit, like tough guy, not toxic masculinity nonsense. And Steve Stone's response to that is, I never thought a bloody nose was all that comfortable and tobacco upsets my stomach. I like to eat, but not baseball. And I never thought sleeping with the game would, all, would be all that enjoyable. I think he thought reading hurt your eyes. <laughs> so like I said, Steve Stone, very wry, sarcastic, also got you know shitty stuff from like Sports Illustrated in 1971 said that Steve Stone, what, called Steve Stone a Jewish intellectual who just might be a right-handed Sandy Koufax, which again, they just want to bring up like the other Jewish pitcher in baseball. Yeah. Steve Stone is nothing like Sandy Koufax. Steve Stone's good pitcher had a Cy Young year good. Sandy, Sandy Koufax, one of the best pitchers in the history of the game. And also Sandy Koufax <laughs> is famously, he didn't pitch on Yom Kippur. <laughs> and and uh, it's so funny that he went to like his family dinner on Yom Kippur because honestly, as a person with Jewish heritage, usually those holidays you're like trying to get out of them <laughs> not get out of a world series game <laughs> like i feel like that's like the best excuse ever in in my family that would have been like <laughs> are you coming are you coming to yom kippur you know i i would i i totally would but i have this world series game so yeah, maybe if if we get out early, if we're done early, I'll try to swing by. Uh, but anyway, Sandy Koufax, he didn't play. <laughs> he he went and was a good Jewish boy. So anyway, Steve Stone, also Jewish. That's all. I just, sorry to, to go off on that too much, but I thought it was funny. Um, but Steve Stone is, again, he's interesting because he was wry. He was sarcastic. He was honest. That sometimes got him in trouble. Very famously, his Cubs career kind of ended because he refused to be brought back because he would be criticizing the players and the manager on TV, which, you know, is kind of part of his job. And they got mad. They were not they were not happy with it. You know, he would say stuff like the a batter would be up. There was a game where Adam Dunn was up and he's like, well, I definitely wouldn't pitch to this guy. 
And then they pitch to him. The next pitch is a home run. <laughs> and he's like, well, you know, and like he, you know, he, he, he definitely wants to be the smartest guy in the room. And I think, you know, that got him in trouble, but he's interesting because he worked with two different partners on opposite sides of town. And those two partners are like two of Chicago's favorite old curmudgeonly white men. <laughs> and that is Harry Carey and Hawk, Ken Hawk Harrelson. And I say curmudgeonly old white men, but also the thing that they have in common, they're both drunk. They were both drunks. <laughs> and that was like an open secret. And like, as a kid, I kind of wasn't aware of it, but sort sort of was, they'd be like slurring their words. And like Harry Carey was kind of the way that he's different. Both of them, again, when I said like Stacey King and Steve Stone, guys that were fans of the team that they were broadcasting, but were also like totally real and honest and would be like, this was a bad play or this, you know, blah, 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 breaking down the game because that's, you know, that's what they're doing. The other, the other side is guys who are such a fan of the home team that they're like completely delusional. And that's both Harry Carey and, and Ken Harrelson. <laughs> and I loved Ken a throwback from another era for sure. Yeah. Ken Harrelson. And again, they're two older white guys. A lot of the stuff that they said probably does not hold up. And like, as my young kid, white Jewish kid brain didn't understand why they were problematic, <laughs> you know, but I started to realize that at the end of Hawk Harrelson's career, when they played a game in Baltimore against the Orioles, the game that they played with no fans because there was an uprising going on for the murder of Freddie Gray by police. And Harrelson said some comments, essentially, you know, how it was ridiculous that they can't have fans in the stands because there's a riot going on outside, which it wasn't a riot. And that's ridiculous and bullshit. <laughs> but both of those guys, Carrie and Ann Harrelson, love them or hate them. They're wildly entertaining. They're known for their specific calls. Harry Carey, of course, holy cow. And, you know, everybody from Will Ferrell to ex-players like Ryan Dempster have done impressions of him. And that was kind of his thing. He made that his thing. He, he was over the top by design. He was known for garbling words, players' last names. Like he was terrible with last names, but he also played it up because he knew it was funny. And and people were like, whose name is he gonna fuck up today? Jose Aquendo was the one he could never get right. <laughs> uh, you know, but also part of it was because throughout the game, he would be getting progressively drunker, <laughs> which is also Hawk Ken Harrelson. And Hawk Harrelson was loved because his old, like weird Southern things like uh, can of corn refers to an easy pop fly in the outfield that you catch underhand with two hands because back in like the fucking forties or whatever, uh, the corn, the can, the literal can of corn in the grocery store would be on the top shelf and the stock boy would come over and knock it off with a stick and like catch it basket style. <laughs> so it's like can of corn, which was ridiculous. He also said like, everybody knows, put it on the board. Yes. After so many hits home run. But one of the things he started doing later that I always liked, which he say the word mercy, like really hysterical, like he'd be like mercy <laughs> right after something happened um but uh yeah very funny i i would highly recommend watching some clips of mark burley uh burley pitching like his perfect game and and uh harrelson calling it because it's 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 very fun <laughs> um but anyway a lot of passion him and harry carey big fans and then steve stone kind of was his 
job was to bring those guys back down and to, you know, talk about the game and, and whatnot, which is why the comp that I have for them is Steve Stone and Harry Carey slash Ken Harrelson are the dude and Walter, the dude and Walter. So that is the dude, Jeffrey Lebowski and Walter Sobchak which is uh, played, of course, by Jeff Bridges and John Goodman from, again, as we mentioned, the Coen brothers. We clearly love them very much. The Coen brothers, one of their favorite movies of most people, which is The Big Lebowski. Those two characters are hysterical. Also, Walter is someone who, if you met him in real life, you probably would not want to spend more than two minutes with him, um, which is probably true about Harry Carey and Ken Harrelson. Could, could be true. Uh, but wildly entertaining characters characters also jeff bridges as lebowski definitely fits into steve stone because he's sarcastic and wry and his mouth gets him into trouble it gets him into trouble true with both those guys and the other guys like the bombastic ridiculous over the top we know some of the things they're saying are like oh but we still like them or we're still entertained so yeah steve stone harry carey ken harrelson the dude and walter from the big lebowski Nice. I always love a, like a good Walter reference. Uh, I mean, I'm drinking my coffee. Yeah, <laughs> the uh, <laughs> that's one of my favorites. Um, so this is my last one, and I mentioned that I am a college football fan, and uh, to me, the two best announcers on TV just happen to be the announcers for college football, and that is uh, Chris Fowler and Kirk Herbstreit, who call the Saturday Night ABC Game of the Week telecast. Herb Street does calls game day in the morning, then takes a private jet if they're not at the same uh, same location to the, the night game. And on, on college game day, he they have a the last segment is them choosing the winner of the game. He does not choose the winner of the game that he's calling because he knows that whatever he chooses, it will influence like betting lines. So he refuses to call that game. Shows you how influential and how powerful like he is as far as calling games. Herbstreit and Fowler are phenomenal together. They call the ABC game of the week, like I said. So this past year, they called the first Monday night football game on ESPN. ESPN, uh, the show's NFL Monday night. In the first game of the season, they usually show two Monday night games. They were, ESPN was rolling out their new Monday night football team. And you would think that the new game would call the first game. No, they went to Old Reliable, Chris Fowler, and Kirk Herbstreit, who called their very first Monday night football game, their very first NFL game. And we had rave reviews, so much so that people are like, why aren't they calling the, the NFL games? They got, they got a lot of workload and a lot of stuff going on. And the Saturday game is already enough. So if I'm going to say that they're the best, I'm going to compare them to the best. And for me, Herb Street and Chris Fowler are Robert Redford and Paul Newman together in first, Butch Cassidy, the Sundance Kid, which is nominated for seven Oscars. And secondly, two years later, The Sting, which is nominated for 10 Oscars. Both of them are preserved in the Library of Congress. Two of the best movies ever made. Shout out to R.I.P. to William Goldman. George Roy Hill, shout out to those guys. They're phenomenal movies in the, to, together. I wish they had made one more movie before uh, Paul Newman passed away, but the two is great, too. Which Cassidy and Sundance Kid. I mean, if the two are going to be those two. Those movies are awesome. It's like, oh. if you're going to bet you're one and two, then, like, yeah. really crazy. So, to me, Chris Fowler and Kirk Herbstreit, who are the top of the game as far as announcing goes, college or pros, the matter of the sport, they're just really good. They make bad games interesting. Florida State-Miami was not a good game, but yet I watched that all the way through because they were calling it. So, same thing. Robert Redford and Paul Newman together in film was, that was that was A++++. plus plus plus. Oh, yeah. So, that is a comp for them. Uh, Robert Redford and Paul Newman are Chris Fowler. And that's my last one. 
Awesome. Yeah, Fowler is another one of those guys who's he's fucking re- good. Really good at like the broadcaster thing. He's, he's good. He's so good. He's smooth. He doesn't make hardly any mistakes, but he also doesn't take it too seriously. Not to put on his voice, you know, again, sounds somewhat natural. Yeah, he's, uh, he does tennis. I mentioned him earlier. He, he's he's good. He's just really good. Yeah, and he's a sports center anchor from time to time. He does, yeah, from time to time. Or used to be. Pride of University. He went to the University of Colorado. Shout out to Boulder. Nice. All right. I'm going to do my last one. My last one is a newer team that is currently working. If you're watching, if you've been watching some of the NBA, some of the bubble action, and also then the playoffs and now the finals, you have watched them. And that is Doris Burke and Mark Jones. Doris Burke and Mark Jones. I would first want to steer everyone to, if you have access to the great sports writing website called The Athletic, there's a really great article written by this writer, Dana O'Neill, called This Should Be Normal. Doris Burke Keeps Cutting a Path for Others to Follow, all about Doris Burke, which is like ridiculous that we have to say that there are not that many female announcers, especially ones that are in the booth, you know, but she is a great one. And her commentary is great. She gives great analysis. She's also very funny. She, and she doesn't give a fuck. I watched a clip, there was a clip of her from, the bubble where there was a game and there was a questionable call and they brought in their expert ex ref to break down the call. And it was Steve Javi who is a scumbag. <laughs> like I hate Steve Javi. He was a terrible ref. He had vendettas against players. He called bullshit calls. You know, he was an NBA guy. Again, if you're not listening to the podcast whistleblower, please do because it's, if you're interested in this stuff, it is phenomenal and like even me who i kind of knew or thought a lot of this stuff hearing this shit on the podcast is like whoa like i don't trust any outcomes of sports in the last 20 years (laughs) but doris burke is great she also doesn't get she's funny and doesn't take herself too seriously they were talking about she was like i always need i definitely want to be right i definitely don't like not being right and then she's like just ask my (laughs) ex-husband which is like whoa if you're damn she's like firing and her partner, Mark Jones, he's another guy who, he's kind of a broadcast guy, but I didn't know this. He's actually Canadian. He's from Toronto. And he played basketball growing up. He played, he played in college. So, you know, he, he, he has some experience that some of the other traditional, like, schooled broadcasters don't generally have. They weren't people that generally played in college or stuff like that. But Mark Jones is, he's kind of a, he's, he's a very good foil he's a very good deadpan but he's also pretty funny and you know especially since the uprisings and everything of the last six months and the restart he's been really awesome at like if you follow him on twitter he's been posting a lot of really you know stuff in support of black lives matter and and really being vocal about these issues that are that are at the forefront right now and you know we said before on this show i personally think that that from athletes and people on TV doing sports and stuff, that coming from them is really important in the changing of the the minds of people of like normalized talking about this stuff. And, you know, certainly he gets shit for it from scumbag people or, or whatever, but I love it. I love that he's, he's, uh, you know, making his voice heard and using his platform, which is, you know, to be, to be applauded. And also, they're good. They're really good at the game. They're entertaining. They're informative. They give good insight. They keep the game moving. They'll make me laugh. 
but they won't like miss the game because they're like telling some silly anecdote, which is like, you know, what drives me insane. I mean, I'd rather listen to them than Mark Jackson. Mark Jackson just says silly stuff. Well, exactly. And, and Jeff Van Gundy as well. And them actually enjoy, but Mark I, Jackson says something like, I don't. This is why people have forgotten about LeBron James. It's like nobody has forgotten about LeBron James. What you yeah. Talking? But also it's like, but they make it about them instead of the game. Like they're, you hear their voice and the game is going by and they're telling like silly fucking stupid anecdotes that I don't give a shit about. And you know, it's just, they're just not, but anyway, but Doris, Doris Burke and Mark Jackson. Mama, are, there goes that man. Sorry. Yeah, terrible. <laughs> um, but Doris Burke and Mark Jones, I think are very good. They're very solid. They are good. They may be not the best duo ever, but they're very good and solid and they're fun and entertaining. And that is why as a duo, they are a rap group, a rap duo that were two dudes that just came together Voltron style or Transformer style. And that's Meth and Red. They're Method Man and Red Man who, again, have careers individually and are awesome. Two guys that don't take themselves super seriously. Very funny guys, both of them. But I would say meth is more of like the deadpan foil and red is more the flamboyant out there, of course. And, you know, they're not the best duo ever, but they, those albums that they've cut together, those got some bangers. I mean, Rock Wilder, but yeah, they, some, some bangers. I was really hoping for uh, Ginger Rogers and Fred Astaire for that great Ginger Rogers quote, which I was looking up. It's like I had to do everything that he had to do, just backwards and in heels. <laughs> <laughs> Which is phenomenal. Which is phenomenal. But because uh, uh, there's there's a there's a great great video clip of uh, her and Jalen Rose talking, and Jalen Rose hands her a basketball, and she's in heels, and she start crossing people up. It's awesome. She's it's awesome. so and yeah. Again, awesome. I didn't awesome. I didn't say this, but she was a player. She played yeah. in college. She was a very I'm good player. Something where she went. Yeah, and she was a very good player. And uh, yeah, I've seen those clips too, and it's awesome. Yeah, she's yeah, in a pantsuit and heels and like fucking really crossing like, crossing over. Like it's awesome. Like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> yeah. um, she's great. That's why they're meth and red. They're irreverent, part of other groups and teams, and they don't give a fuck. They're gonna say what they feel. And they're going to try to be entertaining. And yeah, I, I believe both successfully. So uh, that's, uh, I think that's uh, the who and the what and the what and the who and who and what. And yeah, the, the comparisons, sports announcers to famous duos. I think, I think there were some good ones in there. Yeah. yeah no, just, any, any method red reference, I'm going to be down for Yeah. I was, uh, I try. I was trying. I I had focused on rap group, and I tried to like come up with a specific, you know, like not the best ever, but Meth and Red, like that's a good time. Yeah, that's a good they still time. make albums too. Yeah. All right, George. What uh, what are you looking for this week? Um, I am uh, thoroughly looking forward to. Thoroughly looking forward to. Doesn't sound like a real sentence. What I am looking forward to is I'm a pro wrestling fan, and uh, in pro wrestling there's fuse, and always the best fuse is when there's actual legit heat between the two combatants. And there's like, and even though this is like a thing, there's like the, the two teams or the two the two opponents don't like each other. And uh, I'm really looking forward to the uh, the rest of the AL uh, baseball series because it's 
Tampa Bay and New York who don't like each other on one side. And on the other side is Oakland and Houston who don't like each other. Shout out to the, the batting coach for the Astros, who is jacked, by the way. He's jacked. Well, they got they had, they had a little bit of heat earlier this season uh, when an Oakland A player got hit in the back and there was a little mouth going on. And the Astros hitting coach, not a player, went all fucking Billy Bash from Goodfellas and did this. You feel strong. You feel strong suspended for 21 games. Anyway, I <laughs> love that Billy Bats from Goodfellas move where you put your hand out and just like, you feel strong? Yeah. You feel strong? Shout out to Billy Bats. Anyway, so I'm actually looking forward to those two series because they actually legit don't like each other. In Tampa Bay and New York, same sort of thing. That actually happened a few weeks ago, so it's very fresh. Unlike a uh, little heat that they had, baseball's rules are fucking lame. But but I, I do like when they uh, when they get into it, and I think this is going to be two very contentious uh, series, and I'm there for it because I love, just like in wrestling, the best stories are the ones that are like the sort of toe the line and the sort of, that I don't like that dude. <laughs> And I don't like that teams. And those those four teams don't like each other. So I think the AL series is going to be awesome. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. Yeah, just I think alone, just for that alone. I think so too. I think yeah, it's going to be exciting to watch. I think the the yeah. playoffs and and the it's crazy when the hitting coach, the hitting. First of all, that dude is jacked. So if that dude had done that to me, I would be like, you know what? I think I'm good on that front. I don't feel strong, sir. It's like I was like, you know, I'm just gonna I'm gonna sit that one out. Yeah, it was like he was doing this hands, and I was like, oh no. But <laughs> does that shit to you in the alley you're like you know what that's exactly what i was just thinking that's what they teach you even in like self-defense and martial martial arts is like yeah just act fucking insane and crazy and then people are like oh shit i don't know what this guy's capable of yeah no no no, no. there's there i ain't fuck with that shit yeah like uh, <laughs> i got to be all that like the scene in the original tim burton batman where michael keaton is like well do you yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like asking him to shoot him because he's got the plate in his. Right, right. Do you feel lucky? You feel lucky? <laughs> well, do you? Yeah, it was, either, um, it was either a strength coach or the hitting coach, and I was like, no, 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 sir. Yeah, I'll sit that one out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, what are you looking forward to? I guess I'm looking forward to the the baseball playoffs as well. I'm looking forward to the finals. We saw game one, the Lakers stomped the heat. They played really well. Game two is tonight. By the time you're listening to this, it will have already happened. I, like I said, I'm not going to make any predictions. Uh, I still, I hope that it's a good series. I still will say that it's, it's crazy how, you know, good LeBron and AD and, and also AD are and have been playing because the rest of that team is like, I just don't – it's everything that I know about basketball and sports and, and those guys specifically. I look at the rest of that team and I'm like, those guys aren't, you know, the number three, four, five guys on a championship team. They're more like the eighth, ninth, tenth guys. But those one and two guys might be so good that it might not matter. And and also, like, they might be able to cobble performances together as, like, in the first game – you're getting 15 points from KCP and, and Rondo and, and uh, Kuzma. And are, is that going to continue in every game? I would say probably not, but it's going to be interesting. It's going to be, going to be fun to watch. Uh, I'm looking. Yeah. Before you finish like the game within the game is Tyler Hero's girlfriend is Kyle Kuzma's ex-girlfriend Game within the game. Y'all the amount of, the amount of shit talking that's probably going on. Just what you can't hear. I yeah, no, incredible. <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> one can only imagine. I heard that this week. I was like, "What?" 
Yeah, Tyler Hero. He's yeah, he's funny. Um, <laughs> but uh, that should be entertaining. It should be exciting. Hopefully the Lakers don't win another championship, but <laughs> whatever. Yeah, that should be good. I'm looking forward to the rest of the season of Fargo. I mean, we we talked about it a bunch, but it's so good. It's so good to what George said, what you said a couple of weeks ago about how you know the Netflix model or like the binging model is you don't get to see the story develop in the way that you would. And me who like, I can be like obsessive about it. And like, if they're all available, I want to kind of watch them all like, you know, and binge. But for that really next level stuff that does build, you do want to watch it and have it and let it process. And, you know, those first two episodes, I'm just, you know, it has me so excited for the next one. And Lovecraft as well. I'm also looking uh, looking forward to the rest of the season. Like I said, I think some have been better than others, but I think it's been really good. We have the Steve McQueen movie coming up actually tomorrow at the film festival. I will tell you how that goes as an experience and how the movie is. I'm looking forward to it. You know, we'll see. But yeah, that's uh, that's really it for me. Is it for me? Unfortunately, I have to go bartend. So. I will see y'all later. If you are going out, whether you're going to see George or not, please be safe, be considerate of the reality for diners is different than the reality for workers. You know, so just be conscious of that. Of these people have to be in this space for the whole day and they are coming in and you know, it it is what it is. But just just be conscious of that. Treat people well. That's all I want to say about that. And uh yeah, that's another week. Know your roles. Stay safe and healthy. Yo, yeah, wear your mask over your fucking nose. God damn it. <laughs> Can't call it a show until that happens. I'm going to say that when we're out of this, like two years from now, I'm like, wear your fucking mask over your goddamn nose. Like, hey, the COVID thing is actually done. It's like, I'm going to shit. <laughs> yeah, I'm fine with that. I built yeah. in wearing a mask. We're wearing a mask now. That's what we do now. <laughs> Get a dope bandana. Dress it up. It looks rad. <laughs> yeah, there you go. All right, y'all. We're out. You know the road.